here this morning. I hope that you'll take a moment sometime this morning to greet someone who might be sitting in your same pew in front of you or behind you, whose name you don't yet know. Reach out to them and offer them your hand and your name in love. A few announcements this morning. I encourage you to read those things that are written in your happenings. Um, just a reminder that the trustees are gathering on May 2nd, that first Saturday in May, and they would appreciate any help you could offer to help get our grounds ready for summer, to help clean the church so that all that we do in this place and in the world may be done to God's glory. We welcome back the confirmation class. Can you guys raise your hands so we can see where you are? We give praise to God for the weekend that you've had. I'm eager to hear some stories. Are there some stories to tell? Uh-huh. And, and, are you ready to testify to those stories? <laughs> yeah? Okay, so here's another thing you need to do today. You need to reach out and say good morning to one of these confirmands. Remind them that you are praying for them, you have been, and you will continue, so that as they faithfully make their decisions over these next four weeks, before they choose to be a member of the one body of Christ, that they know that you are walking that journey with them. It is my great pleasure today to welcome to our congregation the Reverend Milton Mejia. Milton, if you'll please join me. Milton is the former executive presbyter of the Presbyterian Church in Colombia. He and his wife, Adelaida, who is also a Presbyterian pastor, are here living in uh, Chicago. They live in the Hyde Park neighborhood. They've been studying for two years at McCormick Theological Seminary as they have been displaced from their home in Colombia. They have two children, two sons, yes, 15 years old and 11 years old, and we are blessed that Milton is here today to give us a minute for mission about his work in Colombia. I want you to know that you, this congregation, have generously supported the creation of a new daycare center for Afro-Colombian women so that they might go to work and know that their children are in a safe place. We thank you for the support that you give to the ministry in Colombia. And here's Milton. Oh, I forgot, and his translator, Gary Cosette, because I'm not gonna translate. <laughs> uh, Gary is the co-moderator of a group called Congregations in Solidarity with Latin America. A handful of our Presbyterian church churches in this presbytery have created a covenant agreement, a partnership with one another, along with Gary's nonprofit group, which he works, uh, to work for peace and justice in Colombia. So Gary Cosette and the Reverend Milton Mejia. Estoy muy feliz en esta mañana de estar con ustedes. I'm very delighted to be this morning with you. 
nos hubiera gustado estar como familia. I have really felt like I'm family here in this liturgy, this worship service. Pero mi esposa y los niños están en otra iglesia. But uh, sadly, my own uh, spouse and and my two children in another church this morning. Ellos prefirieron, especialmente los niños, irse a la otra iglesia porque tenían que levantarse un poco más tarde. Podían levantarse más tarde. That service started later, so <laughs> yeah. my boys in particularly were glad about that. Yo tuve que salir ocho de la mañana de Instead of leaving with me at eight this morning. Pero bueno, ellos están haciendo lo mismo que estamos haciendo nosotros. Estamos orando por Colombia. But they are doing the same thing this morning that we are, and that is praying for Colombia. Ciento de iglesias en Colombia y aquí en Estados Unidos hoy están orando por Colombia. Hundreds of churches here in the United States and also in Colombia today are praying for peace in Colombia. And you can see the stoles that we're wearing today con muñecos. with these cut-out dolls. Estos muñecos representan los desplazados en Colombia. Each of these cut-out dolls represents one, each one represents 1,000 displaced persons in Colombia. Y han sido pintados por iglesias y organizaciones religiosas durante un mes, ¿no? And they've been cut out and colored and painted um, by churches, uh, by Sunday school classes um, for the last month around this area and across uh, the country. Eh, bueno, ya les dije, en Colom Colombia vive la mayor, la más grande crisis humanitaria en el mundo porque tenemos cuatro millones de desplazados internos. The United Nations has... Um, notes that Colombia is living in, we are in Colombia are living in the greatest humanitarian crisis in the world because there are now over four million displaced persons in Colombia. Los desplazados son personas que son obligados a salir de sus tierras. These are people who have been forced to leave their homes and land. Con amenazas, con violencia. Due to threats, due to violence. La mayoría son mujeres y niños. And the majority of them are women and children. Y llegan a vivir a las grandes ciudades de manera muy pobre. And they come to live in the big cities, uh, but they live in poverty. Las iglesias estamos tratando de que estas personas puedan superar este desplazamiento. And we, the churches, are trying to uh, accompany these displaced to overcome uh, their displacement. Hoy estamos orando. So today we are praying, Pero mañana vamos a estar actuando. but and tomorrow is a day that we act. Las iglesias van a estar llamando a sus congresistas. Uh, members of churches will be calling their members of Congress y van a enviar cartas al Presidente Obama and sending postcards to President Obama para que el gobierno de Estados Unidos no dé tanta ayuda militar al gobierno colombiano. So that the uh, United States government not give so much military aid to Colombia. Esta ayuda militar ha contribuido a que mucha de esta gente, de estos niños y de estas mujeres hayan sido desplazados. This military aid coming from the United States has contributed significantly to these great numbers of displaced people, women and children. También para que el Congreso no ratifique un tratado de libre comercio con Colombia and also calling on Congress not to ratify what's called the Free Trade Agreement with Colombia. Este tratado podría producir aún más desplazados. Which will create still more displacement. Por eso le doy gracias a Dios porque estamos juntos orando hoy. So we are, I feel uh, very joyful because we are here together, praying together. Y mañana les invitamos a actuar, a llamar a sus representantes y a escribir and I invite you to join me and others in calling, uh, uh, in communicating with your members of Congress. Tiene que and your pastor has postcards that you can join, in, that you can take and sign and send. Y para que sigan a los and that you continue to pray for these displaced. As you have done for these Afro-Columbian women who are displaced with the daycare center, supporting a daycare center in uh, the capital of Bogota. Dios les bendiga y so gracias. God bless you and thank you so much.
Will the children please come up? I want to introduce you to my friend Milton. This is Milton. Milton is a pastor in the country of Colombia. Does anyone know what continent Colombia is in? What? <laughs> Try again. South. South. South, South America. America. <laughs> yes. And Milton and his wife and his two sons have been living in the Hyde Park neighborhood of Chicago for a couple of years, but today he's here to tell us about Columbia and about all these beautiful children. Can you see all of these beautiful children on our stoles and on this banner? Yeah. So Milton is going to tell us about those now. Okay. Good. What do we do for me? Estos muñecos representan personas adultas en Colombia. Each of these dolls over here um, that are cut out represent, uh, these cut out dolls represent adults, parents who are in Colombia. Estos son más grandes. They're the bigger ones. Y estos que yo tengo representan niños como ustedes. And those are the little ones over there. And they are like kids like you. Estos representan niños desplazados. And these represent the displaced children. Son niños que no tienen muchas veces que comer. Um, it's children who way too often don't have enough to eat. Han perdido sus padres. Um, some have lost their parents. No tienen casas. Uh, they don't have a house anymore. No pueden estudiar. And they can't go to school. Son muy They're very poor. Nosotros estamos orando por estos niños. So today we are praying for these y kids. Yo these invitarles and I want to invite you. So the kids that we have on our um, vestments today, on our stoles, were created by other children in other um, churches. Yo quiero invitarle a que ustedes se imaginen los niños en Colombia y también pinten un niño en estos papeles. So I want you to imagine what it would be like to be a child in Colombia who uh, is facing these difficulties and to draw them yourself. Y después de que los pinten, oren por ellos. And after you have colored them in, um, and if you would then pray for them. Para que estos niños puedan vivir felices. So that these children can live Happy. Tener salud, educación, comida. Have health and food and uh, friendship. Y poder jugar, divertirse como le gusta a todos los niños. And be able to play and have fun just like all you guys like to have. Okay, gracias. So thank you. And I'm going to pass around this basket after I've said the prayer. And, and invite you to take two colored pencils with you. And while you're listening, you can color today during church. Color these pictures. And then after worship, bring them up and place them right up here on the communion table so that we can add your prayers for children of Colombia to this banner and to these stoles. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you that you invite us to be in solidarity with children in Colombia. We pray that your presence would be with them always and that our prayers and actions these weeks may move towards real change so that your justice and your freedom may be real for the children of Colombia. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children say, Amen. 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 <laughs> <laughs>
Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee and the region of Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Jesus took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Our second scripture lesson comes from Psalm 107 in the Old Testament, which you can follow along if you'd like on page 559 in the Old Testament in your pew Bible. Continue to listen to God's word to us today. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so those he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to an inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and the hungry he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in gloom, prisoners in misery and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. 
Their hearts were bowed down with hard labor. They fell down with no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and gloom and broke their bonds asunder. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. This is the word of the Lord. I think the entire Bible could fairly be described as a book of testimony. Right at the outset, from Genesis and Exodus into the prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah, into the Gospels of the New Testament and Paul's letters, it's really all about testimony. Confessing to what God has done, what God is doing, and perhaps suggesting to God what God should do. I think testimony has continued unabated in the church as we continue to read and hear about the testimony in Scripture and add our own voice to it. See where there's resonance with their experience and our experience, and then adding our own layers as we go. The book of Psalms is probably the quintessential example of testimony in Scripture, however. It's, it shows the full range of human experience. You know, there's tremendous joy, there is daring honesty sometimes when the psalmist feels abandoned by God, hurt by God. There is confusion, there is darkness, and there is light. The Psalm 107, which is our Old Testament reading this morning, we read just half of it, begins with the leader calling the people to give thanks to the Lord for the Lord's goodness, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the four points of the compass, east, west, north, south. And then maybe you heard two more chunks of testimony right after that. So the leader calls to the people, say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We read two of these four chunks of testimony. The first one in in verses 4 to 9 there, you may have noticed, is about those who are wandering in the desert. These people are wandering in the desert, And yet at some point, they cry out to God. God hears their cry, delivers them, and then the people stop and give testimony, thanking God, telling each other that they're thanking God, perhaps telling themselves, and telling the world that we are grateful to God for what God has done and what God is doing. That second testimony there has a very similar pattern, but it's about people who are bound in darkness or gloom. But again, similar. They're bound, they cry out to God, God hears them, God delivers them, and they give testimony, give thanks to God for what God has done. The third and fourth testimonies are similar. The pattern is pretty clear, I think. But what exactly is testimony? Psalm 107 looks a lot like triumphant testimony, we might say. Very similar in in, in Scripture, Perhaps in this first testimony, they're harking back to the experience of Israel in the wilderness. They're wandering, they're aimless, they're hungry, they're tired, they're angry. They cry out to God, eventually God hears them, eventually God delivers them. These testimonies are triumphant, they're powerful, they're very positive. But we all know that testimony is not all like that. There is testimony that's not rosy, there is harsh and severe testimony. As we see in the Psalms, there is yelling at God. There is calling God to account with our own testimony. But I think to define testimony, I would probably put it simply as talking about God. Thomas Long calls it authentic God talk in his definition of testimony, but simply talking about God, what God has done, what God is doing. It may not be entirely different from the conversations we have after church, before church, in talking about the weather and talking about our week and talking about work or our families, what has happened. But testimony, having that added element of God as an active agent. God is at work and we have eyes to see and ears to hear it and then name it. So a testimony doesn't have to be long or eloquent or prepared, but could be short or casual. I see God at work here. Or isn't it amazing how God has made our bodies to be so refreshed by water, and so awake by coffee. <laughs> and so I think at the same time, it's, it's hard and awkward. I don't know if it's the case for you, but for many of us, I think it kind of makes us squirm to thinking about 
in thinking about talking about God and thinking about sharing our faith. I, for one, remember my own experience similar to some of the confirmands when I was preparing in the tradition of my upbringing for baptism as a teenager, I had to put together a statement of testimony, how I came to be a Christian. And it was quite hard. I had a pretty, you might say, predictable testimony. Grew up in a Christian home. I um, prayed with my parents at some point to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It's been a struggle since then, but I'm committed to trying and so on. And yet, it's not that that testimony isn't powerful. It was, it's not dramatic, I won't say, but at the same time, I've noticed that there's a lot more testimony to give. It's not just, I came to faith this way, but God is still at work, or I don't really see God at work at all, or, boy, I noticed God at work in you, and so on. But why is it so hard? Why does it make us squirm, a little uncomfortable, a little awkward? I think there are probably at least four reasons for why it's hard to give testimony. For one, I think we don't want to seem arrogant or pushy. We've all perhaps met Christians, maybe we've been them ourselves, I think I have at points that are very, very determined, one might say, um, to share with everyone around them everything about God. We don't want to come off as offensive, as if we can't talk about anything but God. Perhaps another reason is that we doubt that God is really at work anywhere. If we're dealing with doubt ourselves, who are we to say, oh, I see God at work here. Who are we to claim that we know what God's up to? Another, a third reason perhaps is fear. What will others think of us? And what will we say, after all, about God or about testimony? A final reason, I think this is perhaps the most important one, is that maybe we haven't been taught the language of talking about God. I think that's partly my trouble. Believe it or not, in seminary, there's not as much testimony as you would think there should be. In classes, among students, in dormitories, or married student housing, we're reading a lot about God. We're talking about God in our coursework. But are we giving testimony? Are we saying, wow, I read that the other day, and my vision of God is changing. I really feel God nudging me in this direction. You'd think it would happen more often, and you'd think it would happen more often in the church. Over the season of Lent, we heard powerful testimony from a number of our members who had endured some pretty difficult stages in their lives. I felt, I don't know about you, very moved by that, to hear the testimony of other people, what God was doing in other people, and then thinking, perhaps God could be at work in me. We just heard from Reverend Mejia about what God is doing or not doing, it seems, in Colombia. We heard testimony of other people, of other people who are trying to follow God, and that blesses us, that strengthens us. It is what we need to hear. We as God's people, the redeemed, are called to say so, to give testimony, to simply talk about our faith, what God is doing, what God has done. I don't know about you, but I feel that we desperately need testimony as Christians. Now, sometimes we think that other people need to hear about God, but we also need to hear about God. Christians, non-Christians, young and old, men and women, children, uncles and aunts, grandparents, ministers, and those who are not, we need to hear about God, and we need to give testimony about God just like those in Psalm 107 had done, mining their own life experience, taking time to wonder, where was I and where am I now? Maybe it hasn't been better now than it used to be, but thinking about it, giving testimony, is what God calls us to do. I wonder what God would do if all of us would consider giving testimony once this week. Every day this week, perhaps, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It wouldn't have to be eloquent. It wouldn't have to be drawn out. It could be to God. It could be to ourselves in journaling. It could be to our spouse, to our children, to our friends, to that coworker who we feel alienated from, to the person on the bus we always see or the employee at the grocery store we always notice. 
What if all of us were, I challenge all of us to consider giving testimony once a day this week. What might God do among us if we were a people that gave testimony? What if in our talking about valid things like the weather, like our families, like our jobs, we included testimony about God? What if we gently and respectfully invited someone to church whom we think has been on our hearts for some time? Perhaps it is talking with one another about God in coffee hour after worship. Perhaps it's saying to the person in your life who you think, of course, they know God loves them, actually saying, God loves you. Or in my case, saying to my spouse, Arianne, Arianne, I really see God at work in you. Boy, I think of when you did the dishes for me the other day when it was really my turn. That was gracious. That was gracious. You showed me what God is like. Or I think about that line from Marilyn Robinson's novel, Gilead. Perhaps some of you have read it. It came out a few years ago when the Reverend John Ames, who's writing these journal entries to his very young son that he hopes his son will read someday, he says something like, and I'm paraphrasing here for those who know it well, um, if you ever wonder what your life has been about, if your life has been worth anything, know that you have been God's grace to me. A miracle, something more than a miracle. The Reverend John Ames is giving testimony to his young son, who perhaps won't really grasp what he's saying for a few years. But God calls us to do the same, to give testimony to one another, to ourselves, to our families, to our church family. Yes, it is hard, I admit. Yes, it is awkward. And in some respects, it's unpredictable. But that's what the redeemed of the Lord do. We say so. And God calls us to nothing less. Amen. this time we have the privilege of sharing some joys and concerns of our own congregation. First of all, a joy for these flowers on the Lord's table. Jim and Rochelle Pokorn are celebrating their 17th wedding anniversary. We give God thanks for his faithfulness to them. We rejoice too in the safe arrival of the Confirmands who are on retreat this weekend and for joining us in worship today. Some concerns. Gordon Crombie, we pray for his readiness and composure as he prepares for surgery in the coming weeks. Joyce Carlin, we heard this week, had cataract surgery and things went well. Charlie Luther's brother, Leonard, is moving to hospice care, we learned a couple days ago, and Charlie and Marianne are going to Texas to be with him today. We ask you to keep 
them in your prayers, as well as Marianne Luther's mom. We remember, too, those who are on the work trip in eastern Iowa this weekend and some into next week who are bringing God's light and God's hands and feet to that community as they recover from floodwaters. And finally, today and tomorrow, as some of you heard, are days of prayer and action for Columbia, where war has raged for 50 years and over 4 million are internally displaced. Today we pray and, God willing, tomorrow we will act. We remember, too, those with ongoing health concerns and our homebound parishioners. Are there any other joys and concerns you would name? Let's pray together. God of all goodness, we give you thanks that you got us up this morning out of bed and mostly in our right minds. We are here to worship you, to hear your word, to be together as a community, to try to make sense and meaning out of life as we are sent into your world. We bring everything we are carrying with us this morning to you, believing that you hear us, that you answer us, and that you care. We can't help but praise you for being our awesome God, our gracious and merciful, just and good God. You are the God who raised Jesus from the dead, which we celebrated last weekend, but which we celebrate every Sunday. The God who is still alive and at work everywhere in the world. Even so, we grumble against you, O God, and wonder about your goodness and power when so many in your world are without food, clean water, shelter, or the caring love of family and friends. We wonder, as we ourselves continue to suffer in our own lives, facing betrayal, financial strain, sickness, or any form of loss. God of all times and places, meet us in our grumbling and wondering. Turn it into steady prayer and risky witness to make your will done on earth as it is already done in heaven. We pray for all those who are suffering in the world. You know their names and circumstances and needs. Comfort and strengthen them in the way only you can. This morning especially give us solidarity with the millions who are displaced in Colombia. Protect them, fill them with your spirit open our eyes to the ways in which we can remember and support them. Oh God, we can't fool you. You know us completely. So we drop all pretenses in this moment of silent prayer and offer ourselves to you. As we continue in prayer, we pray for the whole church in all lands and languages and expressions. Be present, God. Fill your church with courage and creativity and power. We also pray for the joys and concerns of our own congregation, giving thanks to you for anniversaries and confirmands. Give them wisdom and discernment as they consider joining this faith community we remember Gordon Crombie, Joyce Carlin, Charlie's brother Leonard, and Mary Ann Luther's mom. We remember those from our own community who are laboring right now in eastern Iowa. Comfort each of them as they are away from us this morning. And we pray in particular, O oh God, for the church in Columbia Strengthen it, God. Protect it. Bring your peace 
and provoke us in ways that we can help. God, we are yours. Startle us with your grace. Fill us with your wisdom and power and help us to give testimony of what you are doing each day as we pray the prayer that Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. God's people, and God has gathered us from the east and the west and the north and the south. God has gathered us to be together, to hear God's word, to trust God, and then to go out into the world and give testimony to what God is doing and has done. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you this day and forever. Amen.